0: If you turn over, we're going to be in the book of Second Samuel, Second Samuel, in chapter 2 and chapter 5. I may have ever been frustrated by the little childproof caps they put on the, on the aspirin bottles or the medicine bottles. Just makes it so hard for people to get it off. Well, little Brittany, four years old, she had an ear, earache and her mom wanted to give her a painkiller. She saw the painkiller. She tried as hard as she could to take the lid off the painkiller. She could not take that lid off the painkiller. She uh, gave the jar to her mom. Mom saw the frustration on her, her face and said, Oh dear, it's a childproof container. And the little girl looked up at her mom with just shock and awe. She says, Mommy, how does the bottle know it's me? Yeah, little things like that, they can frustrate us. We talked last week about some frustrating things, some frustrations that can come up. We saw with the life of of David, some of the responses we have. How many noticed frustration a little more in your life this week? Maybe looked at it a little bit differently, hopefully. Over in Second Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1, it reads this way. It happened after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. David said, where shall I go up? And he said, to Hebron. So David went up there and his two wives also, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David brought up the men who were with him, every man with his household. So they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. Then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And there they told David, saying, the men of Jabesh Gilead were the ones who, who buried Saul. So David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, You are blessed of the Lord, for you have shown this kindness to your Lord, to Saul, and have buried him. And now may the Lord show kindness and truth to you. I will also repay this kindness, because you have done this thing. Now therefore, let your hands be strengthened and be valiant, for your master Saul is dead, and also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. So David was anointed by God to be king over Israel, over the whole land. But he had to wait. He had to wait for Saul to be taken away, to, to die. He had two opportunities to speed that process up. And he felt, no, this is not something I can do. This is the Lord's anointing. I can't go against him in this way. So he waited. And after being chased by Saul and pursued for no good reason, he finally came to the conclusion. He says, I have to leave the land of Israel and go into the land of the enemy, Philistines, and live out there. And For a year and four months, we saw last time that he, he lived out there. And then finally the day came, there was going to be another big battle between the Philistines and the land of Judah. And so he was asked to go into battle with them. He was ready to go because he's kind of put himself in a position where he'd have to. So on the way there, the men from the Philist- Philistia said, No, we don't want David to go with us. So David was sent back. And the battle went on and Saul died. And now David knows, God anointed me to be king. It's time for me to go back. And so he goes on back. How many of you would have the expectation that now it's your time to be king? He's waited. He's waited patiently. He even goes to God after the, this whole thing's over. He says, God, what should I do? Where should I go? And, and God says, go up to Judah. And which city should I go to? He doesn't even assume a city. He says, go up to Hebron. So he follows the Lord's direction. He goes up to Hebron. And all the people from Judah come over and anoint him king. But that's it. Nobody else. Just Judah. He's supposed to be king over Israel. Could this potentially be frustrating? You have waited all these years and still you're not king of Israel. You're king of Judah. The bulk of the nation has gone and taken one of Saul's sons and put them up as, as king. But we see that Jabesh Gilead, there's some good men there who had seen the body of Saul. And they went and buried him. David is very pleased with them. This is where the wives, Jabesh Gilead is where the wives came from. For Benjamin, remember when Benjamin, the, uh, the wipeout that was done in that, that place... So, this is where they did to, to get them some wives. This is a false first recorded action was to defend this place. I was over in 1 Samuel chapter 11. But Ishbosheth is made king by Abner, who was the commander of the army. He was called a different name over in Chronicles, which means a man of Baal. Ishbosheth means a man of shame. Either way, it's not a very good name. Here's the thing Saul and his sons died in battle. This guy doesn't even go into battle. How good of a son is he? How good of a king would he make? More than likely, you can get an idea. If Saul doesn't even bring him into battle, he probably doesn't even see enough worth from him to go in. Now, I put this in your outline, thinking about frustration. Frustration when reality is worse than expectation. When reality is worse than expectation. David would have an expectation to be king over Israel. But the reality is he's king over Judah. You can think of it this way. You have the expectation that you can get to work in 15 minutes. When the reality becomes 30, you can become frustrated. You have the expectation that the train would be on time. When the reality is it's an hour late, that can become frustrating. Expectation and reality. We a lot of times get an expectation of things in ourselves. And then we have the reality. Some people even come up with an expectation in the area of healing. Well, God should just do this for me. And then this will happen. Remember Naaman? I thought that he would just come out, call on Naaman, his God, wave his hand, do something. And I would be healed. There's the expectation. Here's the reality. Go dip into Jordan. A lot of times we build up an expectation in ourselves. The problem comes in when we build up an expectation not founded on the Word of God. Founded on something else. Something that other people have done. Something that we feel like we're comfortable in doing. All kinds of things that we can get expectation from. The woman with the issue of blood had expectation but she built hers up on the Word of God. She built hers up on what she heard about Jesus. She built hers up on what you saw, that anointing that was on Jesus, do. And that expectation was met. When reality is worse than expectation. How many of you have a reality that's worse than what you expect? What we have to do is break down our expectation. Now, for David, did God say you would be king right away? No. So, if you build it up, up an expectation, as David... I'm going to be king now because God anointed me now, that would be wrong. Did God say that you'd be king over Israel right off the bat? No. He just said you'd be king over Israel. But our expectation is, well, once Saul's gone, then I'll surely be put into place. And when the people don't, we can get mad at the people. What are those people doing? Why is it that this is not happening? So that's why we call this one People Don't Act Right. How many of you have people around you that just don't act right all the time? I liked how Ethel was interpreting this here this morning. Other people. Because it's never us. (laughs) We always act right. It's other people who act wrong. And we have an expectation on these other people of what they should do, how they should act. And when they don't come through, when the reality is different, well, we have a problem. And we begin to get frustrated. We get frustrated with people we get frustrated with God. We get frustrated at life. We said before last last week frustration <clears throat> is merely self centeredness wearing a mask of submission. A mask is not real. The submission is not real. It's a mask. You put it on so that everybody can see what people see is submission. But what's going on, on the inside is different. That's not submission. That's why it's called a mask. But we're self-centered. I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about how this affects me. I'm not thinking about the kingdom of God. I'm thinking about me. I'm not thinking about other people, how we can develop, how can we, we can help. I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about mine. I'm thinking about the stuff that I have. How it affects those things. And not affecting other people. You look at the life of Jesus. Jesus came down here and operated on the anointing not to help himself. Every time we see him, he's out there helping other people. He's doing things for other people for which he'll get no credit for, no benefit for. People will be happy about him today, but you know in a week from now, they'll be mad. Happened a lot of times in his, in his ministry. So David was called to be king over Israel. He is king over Judah. Now, after a while, you begin to think, well, you know, these people, they're not acting right, and they're frustrating me, but surely they'll get it together, and they'll act right in a week or two. Surely they'll get it together, and you know, in a, in a month, they'll see through, and they'll get this taken care of. But that's not what's happening. Now, you look at David. David has been here. He's been waiting for this. He got the anointing. He's not acting different. He's still acting subservient to to saul he's still helping israel has he has he waited for this promise in faith and patience isn 't that what the word of God says through faith and patience inherit the promises he's got a promise through faith and patience inherit the promises but the reality is it doesn't come back has not come about yet <clears throat> how many of us have been believing God for a certain situation to change, for a certain situation to get better, for a certain place to go. We're always looking at other people. We're always looking at other things. We never see that inside ourselves anything has to change. No, I'm doing all right. I'm believing God, my confession is right. I don't need to I don't need to change. These are the people, they need to get right. They're just acting up. Put this in your outline for you. For seven and a half years, David's reality is different from his expectation. The Bible actually lists it this way. Seven years and six months. Seven years and six months. He lives outside of his expectation in a reality that he doesn't feel is right, that he's not called to for seven and a half years. All this time, David... Is being changed. I don't know what if, it, if David had anything wrong with him. That had to be altered. But he's always submitted to God. He's always letting God uh, mold him. Make him better. For seven and a half years. The enemy had to be whispering. Some king of Israel you are. You're king of Judah. Even anointed by God. Called by God. You still can't even live up to what you're supposed to be. You ever heard the enemy say something like that? Put you down. For seven and one and a half years, he probably heard this. Before that, how, much was, how many times was being whispered in his ear? Some king of Israel, you are. You can't even live in the land. You're living in Philistia. They think you're going out and killing Israelites. What a great reality this is. Now, was it wrong for David to have this expectation? <clears throat> it can't be. God put it there. God says, I'm going to make you king over Israel. The expectation is not wrong. The reality is not much he can do anything about. But when there's a difference between the reality and expectation, we can get frustrated. We can get angry. We can get all kinds of things. It's not wrong to have that expectation. You look at it at believers today. We sit under the word. We see how much Jesus healed. We, we have something in our body. What do we think? I have an expectation that I should be, should be healed. What's my reality? Sometimes my reality is different from that expectation. And I'm wondering, well, why is that the case? Why should it be that way? Why should my reality be different from what I'm... My expectation is built on the Word of God. Why should it be different? Why am I walking this... Why does this continue to be a problem for me? For seven and one-half years, David is king over Judah and nothing else. In fact, there's even war between Israel and Judah. You picked up the chapters in between three and four. You'll see some of the details on that war. They battled each other. They weren't doing so well. Put it here in your, your outline. Wait patiently. As God prepares you for your call, as David did. Sometimes we feel that there is a call on our life to do something, but it's not there yet. You could be in a place like David. Well, I can see it. It's right there. Here is Saul. Saul, has, he is right now the king. All I have to do is kill him, and I've got it. It's real easy for us to find ways to usurp the call. If we do that, and we get into that place, we may be in the place we were called to, but we are not the person we need to be yet. in, in along the way, during the process, God is trying to make us the person we need to be, so that when we are in that call, when we are doing the thing that God called us to do, I am doing it the way that God wants me to do it. I'm doing it with the heart that God wants me to do it. I'm doing it prepared so that the enemy doesn't pull me down. So the enemy doesn't use me to hurt other people. Wait patiently as God prepares you for your call, as God did David. You're not God. Now here's the thing. The people in Israel, they aren't acting right. They ought to know that David is called to be king. They all ought to know that David was anointed to be king. They all ought to know. If you're David, you're going through some of these things. Wait a minute. I led you guys out to battle. I killed all kinds of Philistines. I killed the giant. How many times did I, one person, David, save your necks? And you think you can find someone else to be king? Now, here's the thing. The northern tribes picked a guy... That Saul doesn't even take out the battle. And yet David has been in many battles. David has put his life on the line for Israel over and over and over and over. And this guy hadn't. And they picked him? Could that work on you as getting you some frustration? That somebody far less qualified is in a position that you want. Is in a place that you want to be. Is doing something that you want to do. Never do we think. Maybe there's something. That's not quite right in me. Maybe there's something that God wants to develop in me. Maybe there's something that God's still trying to change in me. No we don't look at that. We look at. These people are not tonight. They should see. That I'm the one who should be in this. And we get frustrated. And we get angry. Why am I not there? David could be doing this. For all the years he was being chased around the wilderness, for the year and four months that he was over in the land of Philistia, for the seven years and six months he's in Hebron, he can be thinking about all these things. How unqualified other people were. How wrong the children of Israel were for making him king. Now, if he keeps thinking on those kind of things, when he becomes king, what's he going to think about the northern tribes? You scoundrels. Alright, I'm king now. You guys made me king. Everybody pays taxes except Judah. Right? You could be doing some things and be a little slanted. The eleven tribes? Alright, well we do one thing for the eleven tribes. Judah, you were on the ball. You heard from God. Good for you. So there's going to be extra things for you in this. this. Well, that's not going to go real well, is it? The rest of the people are going to be sorry that they made you king. So God has to get all this stuff out of David. And it may not even be that the problem's in David. It may be, look, these people, they got some problems. I got to make sure that they, with their problems, can't aggravate you. Because I know what these people can do as far as aggravating. They got me mad. (laughs) They got Moses mad. They got Joshua mad. They got some very good people mad. But here's how David's heart is. David's been wandering around there. doesn't even say, well, it's not, not my time to be king. He just says, God, what should I do now? And God says, go up. Which city should I go up to? To Hebron. So he goes on up to Hebron. He seeks God's direction every step of the way. That's what we need to do. Seek God's direction every step of the way. Don't assume. Don't assume. Even if it seems to be obvious. Don't make the assumption. Well, I guess I should just do this. Seek after God. God, should I do this? Should I go this way? Why should I not become king over Israel? Look at that goon they got up there right now. And he was not a very good king. He's very weak. What made him any good at all was Abner. If you go through the story, you'll see that Abner actually helped him out quite a bit to look somewhat kingly. Verse 1 of chapter 5 Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are bone of your flesh. Or we are your bone and your flesh. Also, in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Can you imagine this? These people know all this stuff and yet they make Ishbosheth king. They make someone else king. They take someone else and put them in the place of David. Even though they knew all this about. They knew that David was called. They knew that David was anointed by God. They knew that David had shown himself going out to battle. And leading them out the battle and coming back in. They knew all of this and still chose someone else. They can't say, well, we didn't know David was up for the position. Because Judah made him king. The Lord said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Not Judah. Israel. Therefore, all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. And King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. And David was thirty nine or thirty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned forty years. In Hebron he reigned over Judah six seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem he reigned thirty three years over all Israel and Judah. Now look at this. <clears throat> Where do they come to make David king? the king to Hebron, where David was. David does not go to them and say, Hey, you all have a vacancy? I want to put my application in. Be king over all Israel. They don't do that. He doesn't do that. David waits for them. God had called me to be king. God anointed me to be king. God will put me in that place. Let God be the one who puts you in places. Don't be doing it yourself. Too often, we try and do it ourselves. We try to insert ourselves into people's lives. We try to insert ourselves into situations. We try to insert ourselves, and, and that's not going to help. How many times have you been out there, and you, you see people who need help, and you try to help them, but they didn't ask you for help, but you try and help them, and then it doesn't go well? Why? Because they didn't ask you for help. Sometimes people, you need to sit back and just let people come and ask you. When people come and ask you, it's going to be different. Jesus doesn't go up to somebody and say, hey, you need healing. What's he do? Y'all come over here and ask me. What do, you, what do you want? What do you want done? Verse 6, And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, You shall not come in here, but the blind and lame will repel you, thinking David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. Now, David was said on that day, whoever climbs up by way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind, who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Therefore, they say, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. And David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the, the city of David. And David built all around the millow and inward. Well, we got a new kingdom. We need a new throne. We need a new place to put that throne. So David says, we're not going to rule all of Israel from Hebron. We're going to rule from a city we don't even have yet. We're together, Israel and Judah, we are going to take a city together. And then from that city is where we're going to rule. So he gets all of Israel and all of Judah and they go after this fortress of Jerusalem. The people inside are so confident, it says, nobody can get in here. You're not going to be able to come in here. And David said, watch it. Watch it happen. And so he led all the people into the city and they took the city. And now they rule from Jerusalem. Jerusalem became the great city. And Jerusalem has been a historic city. It's been a city that goes all the way back into the book of Genesis. All the way back to Abraham. Then it was called Salem. But then it became Jerusalem. So David went on and became great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. So David went on and became great. How many of you all like that verse? that's, That's a refrigerator verse, right? Put that up in your refrigerator. David went on and became great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. We all want that in our life but are we willing to have the faith and patience are we willing to deal with the frustrations the way that David did see most of the times we have a difference between our reality and our expectation and the thoughts come in how come you're still wrestling with that healing problem how come you're still wrestling with that people issue how come you haven't been given that promotion yet how come this hasn't happened yet And those thoughts come in, pointing out your expectation is here, your reality is here. And we begin to get frustrated. What happens with a lot of Christians is we come up with explanations outside of the Word of God. Where do you think that explanation came that, well, it's just not God's will to heal me yet? It didn't come from the Bible. You tell me one person of all the folks that Jesus uh, ministered to, all the people that are out there, how many times did Jesus say, you know, it's just not God's time. Come back tomorrow. Come back in a week. Maybe it'll be His time then. Never one time. I was listening to somebody who pointing out the fact that, talking about the woman with the issue of blood. Why is it that Jesus didn't say to her, daughter, you hit it on a good day. It was God's will to heal you today. Why doesn't He say that? What's he say? "Daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Not it was God's time. When we have a difference between our reality and our expectation, an explanation will come to us. Will we entertain it? Will we give credence to it? You go out there and you talk to Christians. And you find, out, you find out why are they in the state that they're in. And they'll have all kinds of explanations. And you have to shake your head. Where did that come from? How is it that you... Why do you think that? Some people come out, Well, the Lord hates me. Well, the Lord doesn't like me. Well, why do you think that? See, there was a difference between their reality and their expectation. And to close the gap... Somebody came in and gave them an explanation. Why do you think at funerals people talk about the death of someone, especially when they're someone young? Well, God needed another angel. We don't become angels, as one person pointed out very clearly. That would be a demotion. We don't become angels when we die. God is not in need of anyone in heaven. But that's what we do. Have you sat through funerals like that? Oh, man, are they tough. People come up with an explanation because there's a difference. Their expectation was for that little child to live a long time and now the reality was this child is dead. We've got to come up with an explanation because we get frustrated. Why is that there? I need an explanation. Somehow that comforts people. I don't understand how it does. You're going to worship a God who kills kids, keeps you down. Why why would you do that? That's not the God that we have. So you have a difference between... How many of you would say right now there's a difference between an area in your life between reality and expectation? And it can create frustration. You have got to be on guard because the enemy is looking for those opportunities. He's looking for a difference between reality and Expectation. And he's going to fill your thoughts with an explanation. You've got to be sharp on the Word of God. You've got to know what the Word of God has to say. If you know what the Word of God has to say, when his lie comes in, you can cut it down. You can expose it. If you are not sharp on it, if you do not know, that lie can settle in. And we begin to entertain and think on that lie for a little while. Well, I don't know why God hasn't done this yet. There must be a reason. I guess He's working on me. I guess He's changing. Can you imagine the woman of issue of blood? She came up there and said, Well, I don't know why I've been having this thing for 12 years. I guess there must be something on the inside of me. I guess God must be working on something on the inside of me. Let it be to His glory. I'll just suffer until God decides. That's wrong. But you see, we, we're looking for an explanation because if we don't have an explanation, we can not We can get frustrated. As far as we know, from the Word of God, David never got frustrated. We don't know anything from the Word of God that ever says he got frustrated. Can you see where the opportunity would be for him to get frustrated? All we can tell from the best we can see is that through faith and patience, he waited for it. And even when the opportunity... When the vacancy occurred up in the north, he didn't go running after it. He waited. He waited. And Abner had a whole lot to do with bringing David in. So David went on and became great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. David went on and became great. This is what we want, isn't it? We want to become great for the kingdom of God. The enemy does not want us to become great. Because if we become great for the kingdom of God, we do damage to his kingdom. He wants us to stay small, to stay little. He's going to feed us with things to think on, to act on, to keep us in that small area. He wants you to get frustrated. He wants you to get angry. He doesn't want you through faith and patience to inherit the promises. This is what he wants. David could say, certainly I would be a better king than the guy that got up there in the north right now. But what's he do? He waits. He waits. Verse 11, Then here on king of Tyre sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons and they built David a house. Can you imagine that? A king hears about you being promoted, becoming king over all Israel. And he says, man, that is so cool. Tell you what I'm going to do. I got some cedar trees. I got some carpenters. And I got some masons. We're going to come on down there. We're going to build you a house. Now, we're not talking about a three-bedroom, (laughs) two-bath. We're talking a castle. We're talking something huge. Something big. And they built David a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel. And that he had exalted his kingdom. For the sake of his people, Israel. He knew it. Well, the Lord did this. Because he didn't do it. He didn't go out there and push his, his agenda out there. He could have. He had opportunity. But he didn't do it. He stayed back. He let the Lord move him on. Now, I put this in your outline for you. Frustrated people become dire. And a, Definition for dire is indicating trouble, disaster, misfortune, or the like. Don't become a dire person. Don't become a, a person of trouble, disaster, misfortune, or the like. People who are in frustration, and this frustration just continues to, yield, to, to to be going on the inside, to keep yielding to it, one of the traits they will be is they are demanding. They become very demanding. Why? Because I am frustrated because people aren't acting right. I'm so tired of everybody doing the wrong things. I'm so tired of people not caring about me. I'm so tired about people not doing this for me. Everybody's doing something for everybody else. They're not doing it for me. You get frustrated. Remember frustration? Self-centeredness with a mask. Wearing a mask of submission. It's all about me. You, you, have, you will be hard-pressed to be frustrated and not thinking about me. So the first thing is they become demanding, or you become demanding. When you get frustrated, you get demanding. When you get frustrated, how many things come out of your mouth that are more on the demanding side than asking? <laughs> the kids are acting up. Frustration level is, is increasing because reality and expectation are different. And instead of saying, honey, will you take this? What do we say? Take that upstairs. (laughs) Right? Frustration has come in. We become demanding of other Christians, of other people. Folks, when you get frustrated with God, you get demanding to Him. God, I've been serving you for a long time. I've been faithful, I've been diligent. Everything you gave me, I did. Now you owe this to me. <laughs> don't think people don't talk to God like that. <laughs> Can you imagine being God? All powerful, sitting up there, and this little little peanut thing down here is... When frustration is getting a hold of us, folks, we become demanding. Here's the next one. We become impatient. Through faith and patience, inherit the promises. We become impatient. There's no rest when you are impatient. You're always stirring. You're always, i got to get this done. i got to get this done. i got to do this. i got to do that. This should be going on. This impatience. Impatience. God does things over thousands of years. We want it done now. How long does it take God to make a star? He has put things in operation. Stars develop over a thousand years. And then they have all kinds of stages that they go through. you got the small stage, they got the medium stage, they got the large stage. Our sun happens to be in the medium stage right now, and it is the best stage for sustaining the planet. It's been in that stage for quite a few thousand years. People are talking about, you know, the sun might die and things like that, folks. The sun has been in this stage for many, many, many thousands of years. It will stay in this stage for many, many more thousands of years. God's stuff in the heavens takes place over tens of thousands of years. Can you imagine him saying to the angels, Hey, watch this, we're going to make a star. Right over there. I already set everything in operation. I already put all the stuff there. Now watch this, it's going to come together. And 5,000 years later, it's almost ready. Why? Because God spoke things into existence. He put all the things here. He put all the operations. He put all the rules into place. And stars are continually born. They continue to grow. And it's, oh, it's so much. How many have ever gone up on the Hubble uh, telescope website? Anybody never been up to the Hubble telescope website? Oh, folks, you're missing stuff. You go up on the, go up, go in your Google or whoever your, your search engine is and type in Hubble. And go on up there and take a look. There are some spectacular pictures. They can take this telescope and they can point it at an area of space that appears dark and show you galaxies, show you nebulas, show you birthplaces of suns, planets, all kinds of things. Like colors you just can't even imagine. You could spend days just looking at all the pictures. That Hubble is taking. And it's still taking more. And it's still going around and it'll take some more. They are already working on its replacement. They have a replacement. It is, I believe, ten times better than Hubble. And it will show us things that Hubble couldn't even get to. So the beauty of it being out in outer space is it's not affected by all the lights. And they can just pull in some things. So that's your homework assignment for this week. Go on up there. Check out Hubble. This is how creative our God is. He is so good he put the universe in operation to do this on his own. He still holds everything together. He still keeps all the laws in operation. But that's what he that's how patient our God. He just keeps keeps creating things. But we become demanding, we become impatient. I don't have patience with the people around me because frustration is coming. Frustration is is, is building up. When I start sensing that level of frustration coming up, instead of pushing me to more and more impatience, I need to get back before God and say, God, I'm getting frustrated. That means there's a difference between my reality and my expectation. So, is my expectation coming from you? And if it's so, here's my reality. I need to be operating in patience to get my reality to this place of the promise of what you said. Now, what did you say in your word about this? How did you get this? Now, don't, don't feel like that, well, if my reality is different, I just need to wait and wait and wait and wait. The woman with the issue of blood waited for 12 years, found out about Jesus, said, let's go and got up and, and went out there, touched Jesus, it was done. She just didn't have the right information yet to, to operate on. But she got there. Impatient just doesn't mean doing nothing. Demanding, impatient. here's the next one, rude. People who are frustrated are Rude. That's not a good way place to be. Now, if you want to see how this goes in a place, go over to Walmart. Find a mom who's got two kids that are just carrying on, acting up. And just follow her through the store. Or him. Follow the, if it's a dad, follow him. If it's a mom, follow the mom. Follow the parent through the store while the kids are acting up. Because it won't take too long before frustration comes because of the difference between reality and expectation. How many of y'all know that every parent who goes into Walmart, is expecting their kids to obey, to listen, and to not mess with the stuff on the shelf. To not open the packages. To not keep asking for the same thing over and over again. However, reality is sometimes different. And so you're going through all this and just watch what happens when they get up to the line. And they want to check out and they got extra stuff in there. I didn't, I didn't want that. Well, it's in your cart. I didn't want that. That's not, I didn't put that there. Well, it's in your cart. And their card doesn't work. Or the person behind there isn't going fast enough. Uh, How do they respond? How does that person going through the Walmart line, how do they respond? Aren't they a little bit on the rude side? All right, you haven't been in Walmart for a while. (laughs) Customer service. You have a computer printer. And it's not acting right. Your expectation is that it would print your documents. Your reality is it's not working. So what do you do? one eight hundred number on the printer says, Call this number if you need help. So you call this number for help and you're not getting help. You're explaining the situation to the person and they're not they're not being helpful at all. And what happens to you? You're getting frustrated? Yeah, because your your expectation was I call this number, I get help. My reality is you are a bungling idiot. And I know more about this product than you do. And so what comes out of that frustration, how do you talk to the person who's on the other side? We become rude. We become rude. And uh, that's not so good. Now, I don't, I don't tell, you, tell you these things like I'm above all these things. I've told you my stories before. HP, I've told everybody, do not buy anything that HP makes. Not because HP makes an inferior product. It's just if you have to call anybody, you will get frustrated. <laughs> and I'm generally pretty good at, at being calm and, and not having a, uh, a time with the people. But that's one time I called HP. Oh, my. Well, it's been a few times. There's been more than one. But the last time, I have not called them since. The last time I called them was simply to find out how to remove a cartridge that they had in one of their, um, not an inkjet. It was a laser Because it was not removing. And we did the things that were on the instructions. So I just said, well, maybe they know a little bit better way to get this thing out. All we had to do was get it removed. We had the new one. We wanted to put the new one in. We wanted to make it print. It would not go. Call them up. Sir, we have to have an account for you. So we'll need your name, your address, your phone number, your credit card. They're going to. I just want to know. If you have any way to... I'm on the phone for a half hour trying to create this account. I'm down in the basement. My wife is upstairs. The family is upstairs. They're hearing me. They stayed out of the basement. (laughs) They're wondering, what in the world was going on down there? (laughs) So I I got rude. I was definitely very frustrated. I had an expectation. Believe me, it was not high. It was very low for HP and it was not met my reality was very different from what was actually going on and yes I was being rude sir (laughs) I just want to know how to get the cartridge out of the printer (laughs) I never did get an answer from him I was on the phone for at least an hour I thought that was a little longer than you need to be just to get a cartridge out of a printer. So if you buy an HP product, just be warned. If you're at the call customer service, you may be in for a time. When we get frustrated, we get demanding, we get impatient, we get rude. Finally, we get egotistical. Oh, somebody got it back there. All right, there you go. <laughs> we get egotistical. It is all about me. Because again, frustration is self-centeredness wearing a mask of submission. As long as you stay in an attitude of frustration, life is about you. What other people do is about you. All you care about is how they handle your needs, your wants, and what you want done. That's what frustration will do. Left untreated, Folks who are frustrated will continue on to prideful and unteachable. Now, see the thing about frustration? Frustration is a temporary condition most times. How many of y'all know when you get frustrated, it's there for an hour, two hours, three hours, but it it does eventually pass. It does eventually go away. Prideful condition does not go away very fast. Prideful condition is more long-lasting stays around i become self-centered all the time everything is always about me not just when i'm frustrated frustration may be a temporary time i fall into it here i fall into it there but you keep falling into it you keep letting those frustrations come in you keep thinking about those situations you keep thinking about what the enemy puts in pride will begin to set in and you will become unteachable People may come along and try and say, hey, watch your, you're getting off over here. It's all about me. I know more than anyone else does. And that pride has come in and you have become unteachable. This is what the enemy loves. If he can get you into pride, he can get you resisted by God. If he can get you unteachable, he can make it so you will never change. Be real careful. The Word of God is real clear about this. And if we're going to be operating under authority, this is what our authority has told us. We're down here to serve God by serving others. And if I let anything take me out of that serving others, I've given the enemy the victory. And I've taken it for myself. David went on to become great. We want to go on to become great too. But stay in the pattern God has said. Think about David here. David had every opportunity to get frustrated, to get angry at people, to get mad that God hasn't come through and yet David continued on and continued on. And even when the vacancy opened up in the north David stayed in the south and waited for them to come to him. He didn't assume that it was his. He didn't assume well, it should be mine, so I'll just go up there and take it. He didn't make any of those assumptions. He let the people come down, and the people finally came to their senses and said, David, you're anointed to be king. It's you who went out under Saul, led us to victory, and it's you that we want to be under. And David said, okay. And instead of punishing them, he said, let's all get together, you guys in the north, our armies in the south. And let's conquer a city, and let's make our new capital the city that we conquer together. Would you have handled it that way if you were David? Could you think of a few other ways that you would have gone? David was made ready for this role. And from this point on, David would always be the king that everyone was compared to. Everyone was compared to. How did you stack up against David? How do we stack up against David? We see David's faults, his shortcomings, but there's some awfully good strengths inside of him. Some things we can certainly mimic, emulate, and become just like that. Frustration will try and get hold of every one of us because the more of a place it has in our life, the more it moves us into pride and unteachableness. And Once we get there, folks, it's really hard to turn back. It's really hard to renew you again. Y'all stand up with me. Father, I thank you that you have a plan. You have a purpose for every one of us here. You have sown inside of our lives an expectation for where we should go, what we should do, what we can become, how life should be while we're here on the earth. And as we bring our reality into that expectation along the line the enemy is going to try and sow thoughts of frustration. But we can resist. We can use David as an example. Others as examples of how through faith and patience we can inherit the promises. We don't have to push ourselves forward. We just need to be ready for those steps when you bring us to them thank you, Father, that you love us, that you care for us. Your desire is that we grow. We want to catch that heart. And the people that are around us, some of them frustrate us, some of them anger us, some of them have hurt us, some of them have disappointed us. Father, we're on this earth to help make them better, to help elevate their life. And if they give us that opportunity, Help us to step in there and do it. Thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We have some more praise reports even now coming in. If you have a praise report and you didn't get it written down yet, you got a little bit of time while we read these. It's been a little over three months on my new supervisory position available for me if I want it. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you want it. Did they come and get you? received a well-timed bonus this week. Praise God. Amen. Amen. This is from Bruce and Phyllis. He said, we received a huge recalculation in Eric's tuition bill for next year and a reduction in what was supposed to be an $800 car repair down to $100. Hallelujah. Mm. That's favor, favor.